It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. All right, take your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 9, once again. Uh, we're going to continue our thought here in the, the book of Romans, chapter 9, 10, and 11, dealing with Israel's selection, Israel's rejection, and then Israel's coming, redemption. And so we made a statement yesterday saying that God is not done with His people, Israel. And there are those that teach a replacement theology, saying that the church has taken the place of Israel, Israel as it was, never going to be it anymore. But Romans chapter 11 tells us very clearly, God hath not cast his way, cast away his people. It says, hath God cast away his people? God forbid is the language that Paul uses. So we come then to Romans in chapter 11 as well. At the very end, we'll find something else, and we'll deal with some of this later on. Most of what I'm going to be doing this week is kind of an overview and maybe some practical application, and then maybe we'll be, we will be able to dig a little deeper once we get a few general understandings about the passage down. Maybe we can go a little bit deeper without having to reinforce some of that, because there's just so much doctrinal error here, and I'm trying to do my best, if the Lord will help me today, to clear up some of this doctrinal error to help us see the text for what it, it actually is and not for what some make it out to be. The end of chapter 11 tells us that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Become in. So God's not done with his people was the one thing we, had, we came to conclude. We're going to hit a word called election here in the next passage that I'm going to read. And this is where we begin to have a lot of doctrinal error being taught. So I, I want to try to make a, a couple things clear, and then I'm going to spend most of my time dealing on what this word election does not mean and is not dealing with, so that we can understand in this passage what it is dealing with. So chapter number 6, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse number 6, he Paul has just said that he's got this heavy burden for his pe for his people. He goes through um, all these privileges that they have received, and we see that they had every advantage spiritually. They should have known the Messiah was coming, yet somehow they missed it. As a nation, corporately, they missed it. He picks up there in verse number 6, "...not as though the word of God hath taken none effect." So, again, Romans chapter 3, they had an advantage much in every way, chiefly because unto them the oracles of God were committed. They had the word of God. Well, they had the word of God, yet they're still missing the Messiah. Paul's saying, the word of God ha hasn't missed its mark. It's, it's not as though it hasn't taken none effect. And he goes on to say this, there's a distinction here that we all need to understand. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise 
are counted for the seed. All right, so there's a big distinction being made here and something that ought to help you with your study even in the Old Testament. Not every Jew goes to heaven. If every Jew went to heaven, you would have literally what the Calvinists teach, that God has literally chosen an entire nation, regardless of how good or bad they are, to go to heaven. And then all the rest, we're going to hell. If that's the case, there is no reason any of us should be being saved today. Not, not, not at all. God chose one nation, and that was it. Paul's making a distinction here to help us understand not every Jew is a believer. Of course, now we have the gospel, but even back in that dispensation, as we saw in Romans chapter 4 and 5, the gospel, or I should say salvation, has always been through the promise. What was that promise? The promised seed of the Messiah. They all looked forward in faith to that promise of a coming Redeemer. They were always looking for the promise. Those that believed in that promise were believing in Jesus Christ, even though they never had seen Him, and that was their salvation. That was what got them to heaven. It wasn't the sacrifices that they did. That dealt with their fellowship. That had nothing to do with their actual salvation. So what we're seeing here is God makes a distinction between the physical seed of Israel and the spiritual seed of Israel. Now we need to understand God has given promises to both. There are physical promises to the physical seed of the Jews and there are spiritual promises to the spiritual seed of the Jews. And so we also need to very much understand that difference. So if you if we were to flip back to Romans chapter 3, I want you to notice one thing here. So Again, Romans chapter 3, what are we dealing with? He is proving that the whole world is under sin. All the Gentiles, the, the hypocrites, the Jews, all, all of us, we're all in the same boat. We're all guilty. We all need the Redeemer, the Savior. We all need salvation. But there is this one thing said in Romans chapter 2, right before chapter 3. He says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward, in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You say, what are you trying to bring out with all this? I'm trying to show you that God makes a very clear difference between the physical seed and the spiritual seed. The church has been grafted in, as we'll find in Romans chapter 11, we get to receive, we get to partake of the spiritual promises in Abraham. That's amazing. That is awesome. I am thankful for that. That was God's plan all along. We get to partake of spiritual promises given to Israel, but we do not in any way, shape, or form get the physical promises for the physical seed of Israel. The church hasn't and never could be able to replace physical Israel. So that is one thing we all need to understand. So what are we dealing with then in this passage? Let me read just a little bit farther. In verse number 9, For this is the word of the promise, At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, 
neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, we are dealing with... I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just say this. Election in this passage is not dealing with individuals. We are dealing with nations as referenced by the heads of the nations. Jacob and Esau, there were two different... Jacob obviously is of Israel. Esau was the head of a lot of your Arab nations. I'm for, the Edomites, I believe, is the one uh, Esau was over there. God chose before they were even born. Had It was totally by grace here. It was so that way it could not be of any merit because we never can merit the goodness of God. God chose. God selected. The, the, that's what the word means. Election means divine selection. God chose. He had to choose who the Messiah was going to come from. Which nation? You can't have a Messiah coming from two. The promise was only of one coming Redeemer, so God had to choose who was going to who that was going to come through. God's foreknowledge has much to do with his selection here. God, by divine foreknowledge, knew whose heart would be for him and whose heart wouldn't. For instance, as we begin to follow the story of Esau, he despises his birthright. Even though Esau should have been chosen first, because he was the eldest, God looked over him and chose Jacob. Both Ishmael and Esau could have been chosen because they both were technically the oldest, but God overlooked them for another. God's God did not make a choice for them to choose wrong, otherwise that makes God the author of evil. But rather, God selected one man who was representative of a head of a nation, that's who my promised seed is going to come from. And to us, on this end of things, it's, you know, why did he choose them over the other one? Well, it was purely by grace. God just chose to go with one and not the other. But we've got to understand this. Election in this passage, we're not dealing with individuals. We're dealing with nations. Second thing that we have to understand is election in this passage, it's not dealing with salvation. Many try to make it that. And then they'll take this verse, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated, and they're going to be trying to say that God has predetermined who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Remember, God's making a, a difference here between the children of the flesh and the children of God. God's making some very clear choices here and showing that the choice we're dealing with is the physical seed, who the Messiah would come from. We're not dealing with salvation in this passage whatsoever. God had to choose one person that the Messiah would come through. Thirdly, election is by grace and not merit. As we see here, God chose to make his choice before they were born so that God's purpose, according to election, might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. It was all grace. God provided a way for the Messiah to come through. God chose a line for the Messiah to come through. If we can all agree on those three 
critical things, that the word election is dealing, yes, with divine selection, but we're dealing with nations, not individuals. We're not dealing with salvation, but rather the selection of who the Messiah would come from. And obviously this is by grace, not by merit. Then we really, the rest of it becomes much, much more simple. We continue to read here down throughout the rest of the chapter even, and we're going to see God's sovereignty of choice, where God God gets to pick who He wants. You cannot get around that. He is God. So we can look at God and try to fault Him and say, well, why didn't you choose Esau? Why didn't you choose Ishmael? But at the end of the day, God God's sovereign. He gets to choose who He wants. We're not dealing with salvation. Now there's another one more passage in here that people can get very much very much wrong if we're not if we're not careful we we totally get confused on it in verses 7 and 18 I'm just going to read the passage it says for the scripture saith unto Pharaoh even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee that my name might be declared throughout all the earth Therefore, he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault, for who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? I'm just going to stop reading there. They, They take this passage and they totally twisted if if we're not careful. I want you to notice just specifically in this this instance with Pharaoh. God did raise up Pharaoh to accomplish his purpose. But Pharaoh made a choice before God hardened his heart. And if we were to go back to Exodus, you'd find that. Pharaoh hardened his heart first, and then God hardened his heart. God allowed him to stay Pharaoh. God put him in a position of prominence knowing who he was, that God might show his glory through him. In no way, shape, or form, again, we're not dealing with salvation here. We're dealing with God choosing choosing a people, God choosing rulers here, heads of nations that God could display his power and his sovereignty on. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email broadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwallen.org.